Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Sarah Lee. Sarah grew up on a farm in South Africa where she was surrounded by all types of animals. From a very young age, Sarah's innate passion and understanding for the unique psychology drove her to rescue and nurture abandoned animals. At age 14, Sarah decided to live her life with more compassion for animals and became vegan. She has trained with a world-renowned animal communicator in South Africa to hone in on her natural ability to understand animals and their thoughts. She developed a very specific skill set and her own unique way of communicating with animals. Here we go. Thank you for being here. I am excited to have you. I've followed you for a long time and admired your work and just like your presence on social media is really lovely. Thank you. That means yeah, a lot. absolutely. So I love starting the podcast asking, you know, it's called consciously clueless. And it's this idea of like, we're all on this journey. And sometimes you feel like you've totally got it figured out. And then other days you're like, I know nothing. Totally. <laughs> um, totally. So yeah. I wanted to check in and see how you're feeling just in this moment on the spectrum from conscious to clueless or clueless to conscious or whatever. I love that. That's such a good way of putting it because it really is like that. Like, sometimes I feel like oh I've got this I know the plan for my life and then the other times I'm like <clears throat> I'm literally just floating <laughs> on a rock <laughs> you know yes and then you'll go around I just had this conversation with one of my best friends where it's like we know what we want for our lives and we know how to get it but sometimes it just doesn't come to us so then what do we do? Do we just invest in it all the time? But then at the end of the day, like we can't really control things. We might as well just be happy and go with it, you know, and there's that continuous like rat on a wheel kind of thing. Really? And, and then I, we made this, I made this analogy with her. It's like, honestly, we're on this wheel. We choose to be on this rat wheel, you know, like mm. we choose to be on earth. So we might as well just be like really cute rats, like just laying in the wheel, enjoying it. You know what I mean? saying like what else is there to do you can either like run on this wheel and be like freaking out the whole time or you can just enjoy this really nice wheel (laughs) I am gonna forever think of myself as a cute rat enjoying the wheel (laughs) (laughs) because that's really what it is you know there's something oddly comforting about that (laughs) oddly comforting you know what I'm saying we're all just rats on wheels (laughs) might as well enjoy it Totally. And you could be a gerbil. You could be a mouse. You could be like a guinea pig on a wheel, you know, whatever you want. Oh, that's such a so amazing. That's a good analogy. I like that. I'm, t- I'm, I'm going to use that. I'll, I'll give you credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quote by Sarah Lee. We're all just rats on wheels. Yeah. I'll use that as the pull quote for promotion. Like, wow. That's really inspirational. <laughs> hey, I feel inspired. <laughs> So, so when I started following you a while back, um, I noticed one of the first things I noticed about you was the animal psychology piece. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that is so interesting and something specifically in the vegan movement we don't talk about as much. Totally. Yeah. Um, it's so true that vegans don't talk about it enough, but, um, yeah, so in short, um, I've always just had an understanding of animals, like ever since I was a child, you know, coupled with the fact that I spent a lot of time around animals. And when you experience trauma in your own life as, an, as a young child mm-hmm. and then see it 
in animals too mm. coupled with the fact that like I spend most of my time thinking instead of doing anything else you you generate this ability and this like insight to really understand how you're a product of your environment how you the journey that you go through from experiencing things to breaking them down to coming out the other side and when I realized I mean I knew it from a young kid because I saw it that way Mm -hmm. that it happens in humans but it happens the exact same thing same way in animals um and always having that understanding looking at it from the perspective of like okay so you know if you look at a child that has experienced trauma let's say and then they are not product of the environment they react to certain things in a specific way they feel a way about things depending on the the situation and you can look at it and be like oh that child just reacts that way for fun or you can look at it in the reality of like well they feel this way mm-hmm. physically energetically emotionally because of their experience mm-hmm. and it's the same with animals so um, I always knew that and then of course there is the intuitive part you know where you get information based off of intuition and I don't like to I don't like to say it in that way of like, oh, it's intuition because half the people are like, oh, she, she thinks she's psychic and we all know it's a bunch of hard um, And then they'll just write me off or other people, people will be like, well, I don't have that. So like, I'm not really going to buy into it. Right. And unfortunately, the fact is, is that we all have it. Mm. You know, 97% of communication is nonverbal. Human beings communicate without words constantly. We're just not taught about that to see it that way in school. Yes. So um, so there were those two things. And really, that's the only thing I, I give a shit about is like animals, you know, like I don't really I don't really want to. I would honestly, this sounds very morbid, but I would rather die than work like a job that I that for me serves no purpose mm. and then die. Like I'm happy to work my face off every single day as long as I feel like it has something to do with my purpose. Mm -hmm. So I really had no other choice but to build a career out of animal psychology. So when you say build a career, what does that look like? Yeah, so um, yeah, every day it's like I'm back to back with clients and it depends. It can be animals that are passed over and that is a lot more of like intuition you know but it really is just we all have it so I don't like to write it off that way or it's animals that are still with us so there's people that have rescued like severely abused Mm -hmm. animals and then at that point it is an understanding it's two things it's also an understanding of psychology and like how how we perceive our environment now based off where we've come from and then figuring out why they react to men a certain way knees a certain way sounds a certain way certain smells like very peculiar things in the home and then rewiring the trauma in them um so it always depends and yeah and now it's kind of like taking on life of its own so I've started to do more seminars more talks um all of that kind of stuff um but yeah So someone, let's say someone is like, I rescued this dog and they're aggressive and I want some help. They are, they would come to you and say, help me. And like, what would that look like? Like, what is that? You know? So they, so they would go onto my website, they would fill out a form. The more information they give me, the more than I can like understand what I'm experiencing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they said, oh, I have a German shepherd that is aggressive out of nowhere. And this is all I know. 
then it would be my job to now go and I would, it takes like an hour meditation to connect. And then I would sit there and see what, what is the experience? So it could be an, they could show me an experience of um, them being abused, Mm -hmm. you know, and it would be the concept of that for me to understand, Oh, this has something to do with it. Or it could be that there is a health issue going on or it could, or they'll show me, and this is what happens majority of the time, because it really always ends up mainly being about the person and the animal. They'll show me an experience of the in the home. So they'll show me people coming through the door and how they perceive this experience. So then I have a deeper understanding of the dynamic. And then I'll have a conversation with them and talk to them. And they'll show me other things sometimes, mm-hmm. almost the time. And then I will get on a Zoom with the client and we'll talk about these things, you know. Um, so let's say it's like, I'm like, okay, so who is recently, like there's this man that comes in, but he doesn't live there. It doesn't feel like he comes in every day, but he'll walk through the door. And when he walks through the door, this is how I perceive my environment. What is that? Yeah. And then the person will say, hypothetically, this is what happens often. Oh my God, that's so crazy. Yeah, I just started dating this guy. Um, and he's, you know, and then there is yeah. a cause for it, you know, and people, even vegans, of course, vegans have a deeper empathy for animals, but we don't really recognize that the way that we experience trauma and, and break it down is the exact same way as animals. So right. people, including vegans, will be like, oh, my dog is just like so crazy. They just like act like this out of the blue. And I'm like, it's not out of the blue. There is a reason for their behavior. Let's figure it out. Like if you wouldn't say that about your friend, that they're just acting crazy out of the blue. Well, exactly and like the just the psychology and the psyche is just exactly the same the animals just don't say it in English you know what I'm saying so when you said earlier that you don't like to kind of like write it off or simplify it as like you have this ability because everyone could could do this is that Mm -hmm. that's what you were saying yeah so Mm -hmm. you know let's say there's a listener who's like what the hell are you talking about like what does that mean like what do you mean by that when you said like anyone could like kind of tap into this Totally. So I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that every child comes here with, you know, like this openness. Mm -hmm. So that's why you always say, you always know, like if a baby doesn't like somebody or a dog doesn't like somebody, you know, there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. They're so open. That's why, you know, you know, kids have imaginary friends. Kids will say the most uncanny things. And we're like, how the hell do you know that? It's just intuition. But somewhere along the line, a parent or someone will be like, oh, don't be silly. Oh, that's just your imagination. And the suppression happens. Mm. And some of us, I have no idea how I didn't get suppressed, but for some reason I didn't, that this connection always stayed the same. And I really believe that it's more about just, opening that back up then trying to trying to get it we all have it it's just suppressed you know um and you see it all the time like especially men men will I believe that some of the most intuitive people are men but but men will be like I'm not you know not to say like men but like um, (laughs) like, oh men I don't know like that sounds weird that's that's all right I don't know how to say that but anyways They'll be like, oh, that's hogwash. Oh, that's blah, 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 blah. Don't be silly. Like, you know, but men in general, not to generalize, have an incredible physical intuition, like in the moment kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when they start to really 
I see them do it all the time. Like, for example, I like my stepdad, amazing guy, does not believe in any of this kind of stuff. But I, I have seen him so many times say, yeah, you know, I have a feeling that this is going to happen. And then two weeks later, the exact thing will happen. And yet he doesn't believe. Like, are you a psychic? Like, how do you know that? And they'll just write it off as like, oh, no, I just like knew it. But that's intuition. We just have this like weird perspective about the word intuition. Yeah. You know, but I really believe that once you start to see that that's what it is, you realize it's not this like thing that most people can't grasp. We all have it. So if someone is like, okay, I'm buying in, I get it. I'm on board. How do I do it? How do I get more connected? What do I do to like tap back into that childhood sense of intuition? Yeah. Um, So my suggestion would be number one, meditation. I really believe that every single human being in 2021 should be meditating. Um, Here, here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's five minutes a day, having that consciousness of your own mind, Mm -hmm. we can't we can't have a full grasp on the world around us. It's impossible, but you actually can have a full grasp on and um, control over your own mind. Mm -hmm. So in general, we should be meditating anyway. And when you start to navigate your own mind, even if it's five minutes a day, you start navigating your own mind. You start, what, what does that look like? What does your own mind look like? You start navigating it. You start having more of a grasp on how you perceive things. So there's that meditation and it can be just mindfulness. I love like simple mindfulness meditations where you sit for five minutes and you will notice the smell, the sound, yes, the feeling, bringing yourself back to like being here. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you start to do that, it's actually so profound, like how you can make yourself so present in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. um, start with that. And then you can go on to things like, you know, if there's questions you want to ask, whether it's you want to ask source certain questions, ask a question and then just sit there with a clear mind mm-hmm. and see what comes. Um, and then, you know, the next step, which I, I, it's much harder to do. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's much harder to do if you don't, if you don't have that grasp of your own mind in a way. But the next step would be to now, you know, let's say you can practice with, if you have a friend that has a dog and the friend will not give you information, but they'll ask like questions and maybe they have an image, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then you, you can sit with that image and see what comes up. And the most random things will come up and you're like, oh, that's so, such a random thing. That's just my imagination. But out of all the things that your brain could produce, why that thing? And you'll be pleasantly surprised by the things that came up in your mind if you go to a friend and you say, oh, this came up, this came up, this came up, they'll be like, oh my God, how did you know that? Like, it'll be so connected. So connected. Or even at such subtle things, like, you know, it's just, I feel so weird saying this, but I feel like your dog's right paw is like kind of uncomfortable. And you might find that the friend will be like, oh, that's so crazy because we just had surgery on their right paw or whatever it is, you know? Right, right. Just starting to do things like that. And I think like the main key is just having trust, like trusting whatever mm. comes. It's not just your random imagination. And we're so, because another thing is, is like people fear what they don't know. So people have this fear about psychics. Yeah. Yeah. We have an understanding about it. So we might just write it off as fear. 
So that's why we write it off as like, oh, it's just your imagination, such a random thing that came to mind. But it's not actually random. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, why? Out of the millions of things that your images that your brain could produce, why that thing? Right. Very specific. The brain is like an incredible tool. It's a very specific tool too. It doesn't just make shit up for fun. <laughs> and once you realize that, you're like, oh shit, actually I can trust my intuition a bit more. So does this is because to me how I'm hearing this it feels connected to like manifestation and like using the laws of the universe does that feel right is that how you would describe it 100 percent okay um and with manifest manifestation I believe that yes you can manifest if you make the reality in your mind and in the universe then just by the laws of the universe it has to manifest in physical reality too Having said that, though, we are two individual beings, I think. We are like spiritual beings and energetic beings that have that ability to now manifest it in the ether. Mm -hmm. But we are also, unfortunately, having a physical experience on Earth. And so we have to, in some ways, match Mm. what what we've manifested, you know? So it's all good and well to say, like, um, um, I'm manifesting a million dollars. That's great. But there has to be tools for them to be able to bring that million dollars to you. So if, right. you're, you're, if you're not like, if you're just sitting in your house all day and you don't have a job and you don't have a bank account or whatever it is, like there's got to be a physical and an, and an energetic thing to match each other. Yeah. And it's, it, I love that you said that because I think the, one of the reasons people can write off conversations about manifestation or like any of this is just that idea of, well, I don't have to do anything. And it's like, no, that's not what it means. Please take intentional action. Exactly. So backing up a little bit before the animal psychology, or I guess I'm not sure which one came first. It sounds like that intuition and that connection for you was really young. Um, But tell me about your vegan journey. Where did that stem from and how did that come about? Yeah. So, um, I went vegetarian when I was like, I think 14 or 15. Um, because I was like, you know, everyone in school knew me as like the animal girl. Like, I, was <laughs> I was always getting in trouble because I was like arguing with people because they weren't treating animals right. Oh, wow. You were getting in fights and arguments over it at that age. Oh my God. But then I was like, when I started to become conscious of the fact that like, you know, I would have arguments for animals or I'd be spending time like looking after these animals all day. And then I would go inside and eat like an ostrich steak or like chicken or whatever, or eggs or milk. And that just made no sense to me. I felt like such a hypocrite. Like, right. Where did you grow up? <laughs> South Africa. I yeah. just want to back up for like a hot second. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I should have prefaced that. In South Africa, that's like a very normal thing, you know, like ostrich steak. Um, so that was like very hypocritical of me. But it was, but at the time there was no Instagram, there was no right. Facebook. There was no, you know, like access to PETA and the, the videos that they were making about like dairy, how, what happened with dairy. And when I put two and two together, because of course, no one in the education system or in my household would tell me where this came from, which I think is like such a mistake that parents are making mm-hmm. in general, not only with animals, but like where all of us food and everything comes from like we need to be way more conscious about that as parents but that's besides the point (laughs) um uh 
once I saw, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this is what had to happen to produce milk. I was like, wow, I am such a hypocrite. I, I truly cannot say that I love animals and I still pay people to do this to cows for me to put milk in my cereal. Mm-hmm. So it was a very easy like change for me because I don't really, of course, there are incredible benefits to veganism that I never even expected. Right. But that's, but I don't really give a shit about the health reasons. It's just an added bonus. Like I only give a shit about being as compassionate as possible. Um, so it was an easy change for me. So I went vegan when I was 21 and I'm 27 now. So like six years. Okay. Yeah. How did your friends and family react since you didn't really have anyone you said in your circle? Um, it was hard. Like people at that time just really did not understand, especially in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, they re- I didn't know any other vegan in South Africa. Um, they thought I was just, you know, over the top and all of those things. And I got made fun of a lot for it and questioned a lot for it. And it became really difficult to go to like family dinners and stuff mm. because I just want to be with my family. I don't want to have to argue every time, but if you're going to bring it up because every, it's always everybody else bringing it yes. up, it's not the vegan. Yes. Um, I like we can fucking argue all day. I'll never stop. I will never stop. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. if you want to do it, we can. I'd rather not. So it became it was very difficult. But over the years, then you know, you start meeting more vegans. I moved to LA. That was like one of the main reasons I came here was because this is like the the hub of like this movement. Mm-hmm. There's so many vegans, and when you realize like, oh, actually, you're not so crazy. There are a lot yeah. of people. That- it is actually reality Mm -hmm. it is actually reality what they're doing to the cows um what they're doing to all the animals then I kind of was like I don't really give a shit what people think okay and now two family members are vegan vegans are popping up everywhere they everybody's having plant-based meals and I'm like oh I was just ahead of my time what can I say yeah yeah I was gonna say you were just ahead of the curve totally totally but um yeah and I think for people that I get this question a lot for people that are struggling with like if they're the only vegan in the family and people question them about it Mm. you just have to continuously remind yourself what actually happens to these animals because it's just Mm. undeniable it's not a gray area it's just fact it is just fact that animals have to go through a certain amount of abuse to produce an animal product that you're purchasing that is just a fact it's just black and white so when you know that it's just black and white there's no argument to be had you either for abuse or you're not Mm -hmm. it's just that simple and so people can go around and around about it all day at the dinner table but as long as you know that in your heart of hearts, it doesn't really matter what they say. Yeah. You know, and just stick to that. Like it is just a fact. You're not crazy knowing and believing that. Yeah. And I think it's really nice to be able to, like you said, now that there is the Instagram, the Facebook, the social media to connect with other people and be able to say like, oh, I follow Sarah and Sarah talks about cool things and she wouldn't think I'm crazy. And like, you know, social media can be really scary, but that is the benefit finding that community. For sure. For sure. And I mean, the power of like, um, and the power of just one single post, like a lot of people think like, oh, I'm not making enough of a difference. But what you don't realize is even reposting something from veg news or reposting, even if it's positive stuff like, oh, 
this whole re- restaurant just went plant-based or whatever it is mm-hmm. you don't know who you're reaching and it's so funny how I will people will tell me now from back home that I posted something like five years ago and it like changed their whole perspective but at the time they were the ones arguing with me against veganism but you know it's it makes such a huge impact for you to just say repost on Instagram or yeah Facebook. You know? Um, even a little bit counts. I was in a podcasting academy course and we talked about, you know, growing our audiences and that kind of thing. And one thing that was really critical that I want to keep thinking about is someone was like, okay, yes, it's great if you're starting at, you know, 500 followers and you're trying to get here, but you already have 500 people listening to you. And that's a lot of people. And I hadn't had that perspective in my head before. It's like, oh, look at all the people you already have that are interested in what you're saying. Use them. No, exactly. Exactly. And it's such a ripple effect. Like if those 500 people tell one person, it's a thousand people. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's just, it just continues to go. And what I would say is like, because, because everything has that effect, Make sure to the best of your ability that you are spreading things that can have positive changes. Yes, because it goes the other way too. Mm -hmm. So since moving to LA, have you, what activism have you gotten involved in? Because I know there's so much out there to, to get involved in. Yeah. Okay. A lot of, there's a lot of protests. Protests have their place for sure. Mm -hmm. But what I found is that these protests have been, and a lot of people are going to hate me saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, A lot of these protests are like shows for vegans Mm -hmm. because the only people that are at these protests are vegans. And the only people that are seeing the content and the images and whatever are vegans, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But of course, at the same time, like images will be produced from that, that like then you can share online, which yeah, is effective. Um, but I don't really love the approach of like, well, fuck you for eating meat. Yeah. Fuck you for eating yeah. Because then it's a us versus them. And, you know, we've all been on that side of the coin, unless mm-hmm. you were born vegan, where you didn't know. So I find it far more effective to be like, ha- have somebody be a part of the conversation. So yeah, there's probably been to a lot of protests, mm-hmm. a lot. Um, the thing that I find has been so effective, but really difficult are vigils. Mm. Um, so yeah, like LA Animal Save and Animal Alliance, they run these vigils, cow vigils, chicken vigils, pig vigils. Um, and so for example, the pig vigil is you would go there and you wait for these, at, it's outside Farmer John's slaughterhouse, good old Farmer John. And oh my God. Um, it, one of many slaughterhouses in LA, never mind the United States. Yeah. And you'll wait there with water um, for these pigs to arrive in these like double or triple decker trucks, metal trucks. Um, and you'll give them water and bear witness, is what they say, before they enter the gates of Farmer John Slaughterhouse. Ugh. Uh, now it is incredibly difficult like I was so scared to go because I thought like I'm going to be scarred for life and yeah just hearing about it is making me like sweat and my stomach hurts it's a lot of people get scared once you go you're like wow this was the most profound experience okay. I've ever had um because 
when you look, I mean, people, it'll make a grown man cry. I've seen huge, like six foot five buff guys in, in tears at these things. Um, but when you stare at the eyes of such a sentient being um, that is, has zero control over their livelihood, yeah. even people that don't believe in like nonverbal communication, when you have this moment with these animals, you realize like, oh, fuck, there is really something here. They are just as sentient as us. They just don't express it in English. So there's that. It deepens your activism. Yeah. Then the other thing is that, um, you know, you see the reality of it. Right. Because people don't know the reality of like what, what people don't think about, oh, when I pick up this, these eggs, how were these eggs transported? Where did they come and from? And that's what intentional. That's intentional, right? Intentional. Because if we, if the people knew what the fuck happened for us to get these products, all of these industries would go out of business. Yep. But Anyways, so, you know, it deepens your activism and you see how many pigs are being shipped in a day. And then you also hear the screaming yeah. of the animals, right? Yeah. But then also, I will go live at these things and I will just show, hey, hey guys, here are the facts. I'm here in real time. Yeah. This is not in another country. This is not from 2009 in Mexico. This is right now yeah. as you're watching it. This is what it looks like. And I have had so many people go vegan overnight. People never touch bacon again because they've seen, oh, fuck, this is what it looks like right now in my country, in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think like vigils, if you have the courage to come, it's incredibly, incredibly uh, effective. It's something I know I want to do someday when I'm, I live like way Northern Minnesota next to Canada, small town. I'm not, there's no vigils near me, Totally, yeah. but, um, I know it's something that I want to partake in someday, but I, I watched the footage and I've seen your stuff. And every time I'm just like, just through the screen, it's like so rough, but it's reality. Totally. It is reality. And for anybody listening that still eats bacon, you know, these vigils, the place, the vigil that I go to, the the slaughterhouse I go to is like really not the biggest at all. It's like just a normal run-of-the-mill slaughterhouse, same numbers as everybody else. Um, And they kill 10,000 pigs a day. Fuck. Okay. Five days a week. And to keep up with demand, they have now built a gas chamber so that they can keep up with the numbers and kill that amount of pigs each each day so that's a fact that's a fact you can call farmer john's right now and ask them that that is just factual and um you know and then they'll of course like boil the pigs and unfortunately with these gas chambers is sometimes often these pigs don't actually fully die so at that point, they are then boiled alive. But before they, bo- before they even arrive at Farmer John's slaughterhouse or any slaughterhouse in general, they are shipped. They are transported in metal trucks. They are not given food or water. Mm-hmm. And these metal trucks are in such heat. They burn from the metal. These pigs are pumped with so many steroids and all of this stuff 
they have abscesses, they have cancer, they have, I have seen so many pigs with all of these open wounds. They're not cutting that out before they produce this, this meat and stuff for you, by the way. Okay. But never mind that. These are pigs that are six months old. They don't look six months old because they've been pumped with hormones and whatever, but they are. And they've grown so exponentially. So exponentially. They are six months old. This is majority of the animals, cows, whatever. They are still babies. So when you say, oh, I would never eat veal because it's a baby. Well, news to you, every single animal that you purchase is actually still a baby. These babies, six months old, have been taken from their mothers Mm -hmm. so soon. Mm -hmm. They have been taken from their mothers. Do you know the psychological effects that that has on an animal? When calves are taken from their mom within three days of being born, because that is standard practice in the United States of America, do you know the psychological effect that it has on not only the baby, but on the mother? Can you imagine a human mother carrying their child for nine months, going through experience of giving birth just for their child to be taken from them over and over and over again? No, I can't imagine. The psychological effects before these animals have even been transported is immense and that is what you're consuming too and like one thing that really clicked with me when I was learning about all this too is like okay so they're experiencing all of this trauma I worked as an advocate for survivors of sexual assault and dating violence for a few years and um that connection to the rape and assault of animals and like it became more and more clear to me that it was so connected um but you know I worked with so many people who experienced trauma and that changes your brain. It actually chemically alters the brain and it changes how we function and how we see the world, which is like total full circle back to animal psychology, right? Like the whole idea. And it is that connection of, I was eating that fear and that feeling of trauma. And I, that enough grossed me out. Totally, totally. And the other thing is people will be like, oh, yeah, well, I eat hormone free bacon. I eat grass fed free range. Bleep, 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 bleep. I love the okay. hair flip that happened naturally like, when you were saying that. <laughs> oh, exactly. Like, that's so nice. Cool, 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 cool. But I hate to tell you that all of those animals, whether free range, grass fed, whatever, are all slaughtered at the same place. Yep. These places that are raising these animals are not slaughtering them at the same place. Mm -hmm. They are transported to a slaughterhouse. So they are being slaughtered the exact same way. I was pissed when I found that out because I was like, no, my free range eggs mean something. When I was vegetarian and not vegan yet and and I was still there, I was like, no, this has to fucking mean something. It can't be a lie. Totally. And unfortunately, like when you look at, well, what are actually the laws around labeling? Like what free range, it's so easy to just type that up on a label. Yeah. It's like greenwashing. I, I, and I'm, I'm angry about it because, you know, I'm actually, I'm not angry at the people that are consuming these products. Like anybody that's listening, that's not vegan yet. It's not actually your fault. I am pissed at at the industry i'm pissed at the lawmakers i'm pissed at the people that think it's okay to find fucking loopholes all the time these industries they love a good loophole Mm -hmm. they love these little like laws that get away with shit 
And actually, we should all be angry at those people that are responsible for that. It's not your fault that you that you look at Lily and say, oh, shit, this is so nice. Yeah. This brand started bringing up free range. You think you're doing a good thing. And in some way you are, sure. But it's just not as true as they make you think it is. So it's not actually your fault. Yeah, I was having this conversation with a friend the other day, too. It's like so much, you know, you moved to L.A. You, you've been here the last few years. You've seen the shit show that has been this country. Um And it's so like when you kind of step back and see big picture stuff, it's so easy. All of a sudden it feels like to see we're just being manipulated to be mad at each other. So these industries don't really have to change and these systems don't have to change, whether it's racism, sexism, whatever. If we pit these groups that are feeling marginalized against each other, we actually don't have to do anything. And it's infuriating. It's infuriating. It's infuriating. I was just thinking that this morning with this whole abortion thing. Like I gone, I went, I woke up at 6 a.m. waiting for the coffee to kick in. I go on Instagram and it's one person being like, fuck Texas. And then the next person's like, we as Christians saved 150 souls today because we fought as Christians. We'll never stop fighting. And then the next person is like, well, um, the the Trump administration saves babies before they're born, and then the Biden administration looks after them after they're born, and it's every single person is against this one. This one's against this one. This one's against this one, and this is what keeps on happening yeah. in front of us yeah. all the time. So all of other shit can just continue. Yep. And I'm like, I cannot be a part of this anymore. I can't be a part of this. And the other thing is like, look, I am so grateful to live in America. Like mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of things that are maybe wrong. You know, every country has their faults. Like I love this place. I'm so grateful that I can walk out of my door and be safe. Yeah. Like where I grew up, you know, we don't have that luxury of being able to walk out your door and you know that you're safe. So there is that luxury. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but what was I going to say about that? Um in general, like where I came from, there I come from a country where there are 11 national languages. There are multiple tribes, people that are black, white, Indian, colored is a whole other mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are all friends. Yeah, okay, sure. There's racists, there's racists everywhere. Don't um, choose, oh, I'm not going to be, be friends with this person because of their political views. Mm-hmm. Like we never talk about that stuff. You would never sit at a table and talk about that. And like that, that now is who you are. Yeah. That's so interesting. And yeah, that's all it is. It's like, oh, if I'm going to so-and-so's house, I know that they're all Democrat. If I go to so-and-so's house, I know they're all Republicans and I know they're all Christian. Yep. And it's so separating. And unfortunately these people miss out on each other. Yeah. You know, like I, I sit in the, I, I don't sit in the middle in terms of my views, but I also know that I'm not going to, unless somebody is murdering, right. I'm not going to write somebody off because of, you know, they're a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's so many things that I benefit and I love about this person. Yep. And I wish that people would be like, okay, yeah, we don't agree on certain things. Like you agree on abortion, you don't, but like, why can't we just all sit at the table and enjoy the things we do like about each yeah. other? Yeah. We're all missing out on each other. Like, that's just a fact. We're all missing out on each other. And we're all missing out to another, like bringing it back to that clueless to consciousness. We're all missing out on opportunities to grow in ways that like our circle doesn't allow us. 
100%. And it's it's hard though. It's hard to like want to be around things that you know will like make you uncomfortable for that growth. Totally. And and unfortunately like that's also how in, Instagram is. Like mm. Instagram is such an algorithm that if you are a Republican, you're only seeing Republican things. Yep. If you're a Democrat, you're only seeing Democrat things. So when you're when you're a certain person and you're going on Instagram, you're always seeing people being like, oh, all the people that are in a hospital from COVID are all vaccinated. Yep. And then the Democrats or whatever yeah, yeah. are going on Instagram. Oh, all the people in hospital are unvaccinated. And then and you're like, where's the fact? <laughs> yeah, and they all firmly believe this, that you shouldn't be vaccinated. They all firmly believe that you should be vaccinated because of the information they've been fed. So they just keep on like deepening their belief systems, which deepens the conflict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like a Republican or whatever is not going on Instagram and seeing two different articles with two different facts. Right. They're only seeing what they are consuming. Right. And that I think is like incredibly dangerous. That's that's why I love yeah. TikTok. Because TikTok's algorithm isn't like that. There is all kinds of shit on there, you know? That's so interesting because I have uh, not joined TikTok because I'm holding out. I don't want another app that I have to like be responsible for creating content for. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't know. That sounds appealing. (laughs) I have learned so much from TikTok. There is so many things. Yeah, like just life hacks. I, I learn a lot like. You just see so many different things, yeah. so many different perspectives, you know? Okay. Well, that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. I love TikTok. That's so good. Um, well, yeah. just trying to be cognizant of time. Is there anything that you feel like you like really wanted to share or want to make sure you say that I didn't give you space for? Um, hmm. Yeah. I just think, <clears throat> of course, the goal is for the entire world to be vegan. Sure. <clears throat> But I think it's more, I would rather have 10,000 50% vegans than 10 vegans. You know, like if we can all do our bit, yeah, world would be a much better place. Of course, I would want, and I say that once before on my Instagram, and the vegans canceled me because they were like, how can you not want people to be vegan? I'm like, no, you guys have missed the point. <laughs> Unfortunately, not many of us, not all of us can just be so like, like, um, just suddenly cold turkey. No, there's so many factors and privileges and, and privileges too. That's the other thing, privileges. And so I would rather people go on the journey and slowly become vegan slowly. I would much rather 10,000 people have a meatless Monday. Yes. Then 10 people be full, full vegan. Yep. So wherever you are on that journey, know that even if you're cutting up meat once a week, you are actually making a difference. Yes. You are actually making a difference. And ideally you would start seeing how you start to thrive when you cut out that low vibrational food in your body. Yep. And you implement more of a plant-based diet and eventually maybe you do become full plant-based, but never feel the pressure. Like just take your time and go with it as you see fit never like and and yeah like don't feel the pressure of it and don't judge yourself if you do now go and eat an animal product you know because it has to come from you the change it has to come from you and and feel free like the one thing I love about the vegan community is that if you have a question you're not a vegan I've only found a 
people being so amazingly supportive. Yeah. I have never had somebody on my page. People will ask questions on my, my page all the time because I always say like, if you're not vegan, you are actually safe to ask questions yep. and seek advice. Yeah. So many people are like, Hey, here's information. This is what I found. Like super supportive. Yep. So anytime you have questions, like you can always DM pretty much any vegan, but like you can also DM me, you can comment on my page. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's a journey. Yes. I think that's so, so beautiful. So where can people get a hold of you? They're going to want to after this. Where Where do you hang out? TikTok? <laughs> I hang out on TikTok. Um, no, you can find me on uh, Instagram at the Sarah Lee. Um, and TikTok, it's my alter ego. It's the veggie Barbie. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I only post like vegan meme stuff on there, you know? I don't want, because Instagram can be pretty serious. Like I have like a psychology stuff on there. Um but yeah, those are the two places. And then of course, like my website is www.thesaralee.com. Okay. I'll put all this in the um, show notes for people too. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say that I can speak for, uh, Instagram followers, at least that you do share some of your TikToks on Instagram and, yes. and they're very no, good yeah. and you're really good at it. It's really fun. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Sometimes you just have to infuse some fun into things you know oh absolutely totally I think you do a great job thank you I appreciate it thanks for listening to another episode of consciously clueless if you enjoyed this episode hit subscribe wherever you are listening if you're listening on apple Podcasts, give it a five-star review you could be read on air as a review of the week and it really helps others find the podcast If you haven't yet, head over to patreon.com slash consciouslycarly. You can get yoga flows, vegan recipes, tips for healthy and sustainable living, and so, so much more. It is a one-stop shop for learning how to live a conscious life and be a little bit less clueless. Until next time.